0: the choir. Thank you. Y'all can go sit down if y'all want to. Y'all don't have to stay up here. We appreciate you being here this morning. Thank you so much uh, for uh, uh, gracing us with your presence. And uh, we're thankful for that. John chapter number four. I'm burning up. All right. So uh, anyhow, I had all intentions of keeping my jacket on and I tried to cool off between Sunday. We had a good Sunday school. And uh, I tried to cool off during Sunday school and I still ain't cooled off, Uh, but I'm getting to that point where I feel like it's fixing to be a wet t-shirt contest up here with the preacher. And uh, so I'm putting it back on. All right. Is everybody all right? And uh, all right. Praise the Lord. All right. Amen. Hey, (laughs) the importance of an undershirt. John chapter number four in your Bible. John chapter number four. Hey, I promise you, we will find out what's going on to the air conditioners, and if we have to, we'll add another one. But uh, how many, once again, how many have found your place in John chapter number four? All right, let's begin our reading in verse number one. The Bible says, when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. Verse number four, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied In his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Verse number 8, For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou being a Jew askest drink of me? which am a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep from whence Then hast thou that living water, art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you once again, Lord, for our song service. I thank you for this choir. Lord, I thank you for, Lord, how they prepare us and lead us into our preaching time. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to preach. Lord, I pray that you would give me the wisdom and the discernment Lord, to get this out in a way, Lord, that is understandable. And Lord, I pray that we would take what we hear today. Lord, that we would allow it to penetrate our hearts. And Lord, we would, by application, apply it to our lives and leave out of here different than we came. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I want you to look with me at a very familiar passage of Scripture. John chapter number four, we all have heard about the woman at the well, you may not know the whole story, and you may not be familiar with every single detail of the story. But you know enough about the story, especially if you've been around here, because I do enjoy preaching out of this passage of scripture. But you have, you know enough, and have a good enough understanding that this is a very important piece of scripture in our Bible. When we look at this, we uh, throw away all the boundaries that we place as mankind on different people. All right, let me explain myself. Jesus told this woman later in our scripture, he said, go and tell your husband. And the woman answered Jesus and she said this, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you're right. You've answered right. You have no husband for you have had five husbands. And the one that you're living with now is not your husband. Right. Now I don't know about y'all, but right there, I need somebody to help me. This woman had been married five times. She had had five husbands, which means that she had been divorced five times. Amen. Is everybody, Why y'all getting quiet? How many of y'all have been through five divorces? Don't raise your hand. All right, so five divorces this woman has been through. And she is living with a man whom she is not married to. She is living with somebody that she, apparently after the fifth one, she said, you know what? I'm not going to make that mistake again. Is everybody all right? But she is, and let me say this, God help me. Let me stay on track. But if you've been married and divorced five times, it might not be their fault. I'm going to let that just sink in just for a few moments. I had a man come to church here one time, and he'd been married six times. And he told me, he said, preacher, every one of them was crazy. I said, hold on, dude. (laughs) Time out. If they six of them that couldn't live with you, you might be the problem. Amen. Amen. Is everybody All right. So five husbands and she has been divorced five times and she is living with a man whom she's not married to. Jesus confronted her. Let me get into the sermon. I want you to notice first off her conversation. I want you to notice first off her conversation. In the New Testament, the word conversation means manner of life. And from her own testimony and from this passage of Scripture, we know that this woman has been married five times. She has been divorced five times. She's living with somebody that she's not married to. Can I get a witness right here? She doesn't have a great uh, reputation amongst the citizens of the city that she is living in. Matter of fact, most woman mostly deals with men. When we talk in the Scripture and you read it, she goes and tells all the men, but she don't go tell all the ladies because probably all the ladies are mad at her. Because I would imagine some of the husbands that she had used to be married to some of the women that are in that community. And so when we look at this woman and her conversation, her manner of lifestyle, we see that this woman was not accepted amongst those she was living with. I need somebody to help me this morning if you understand what I'm saying. We like to put everybody in a box, and as long as everybody's like we are, then everybody's okay. As long as everybody is like we are, then they're capable of being saved. As long as everybody lives like we do, as long as everybody has lived a basically good life like we claim, to have done then we think well God wants them and that God will save them but what we do in that is we place people in a box and we say you can be saved but you can't as long as you got these sins you can't be saved because I didn't have those sins but God saved me is everybody with me this woman had a reputation in her community that was not good a matter of fact most of the women that is living in that town more than likely looked on her with a look of disdain they probably didn't even speak to her. She was probably known as the local trash or whatever you want to call it. She was probably not considered one of their greatest citizens. A matter of fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus is sitting on this well and it's the sixth hour and this woman is now coming to this well. Which now believes leads me to believe that she was not welcomed at that well. All right, When the rest of the women came to that well she had to come at a different time to avoid up being around them. But I want you to notice this too. Jesus was at that well and Jesus didn't show up when all the other women were there. I need somebody to hear me this morning. He didn't, have, he didn't set limits on who he would save and who he was, he wouldn't save. He didn't come when all the Sunday school teachers, all the ladies that was teaching Sunday school down at the, the synagogue, he didn't show up at the well at the same time they did. Hey, y'all need to help me this morning. He showed up when he knew this one. How many of you know Jesus never did anything on accident? He showed up when he knew she would be there. Her conversation, we see it in her manner of lifestyle. We see it in the meaninglessness of her life. This woman had five husbands, had been divorced five times, and now she was living with a man she wasn't married to. Have you ever had some failures in your life? Y'all stay with me. Have you ever had some failures in your life? Have you ever done some things that you regret? Have you ever done some things that you wish nobody else knew about? Have you ever got, I, I don't know about y'all, but I got plenty of them on my list. There's plenty of things that you, you, there's some things that I'll share with you if God allows it in a testimony or something like that. But there's other things you won't ever know about me. I keep them for myself. God knows and he's the only one that needs to know. He's my high priest. He's done gone to the Father as my advocate and I am forgiven for it and I promise you, I don't need a jury of my peers to acquit me. And so this woman, her life, can I say this and y'all understand, I hope you understand when you've been through these mass failures, we'll call them mass casualties, because I promise you this, if you've ever been left or if you've ever been abandoned, then you understand what this woman has gone through her whole life over and over again. One husband after the other. And, and, and let's just be honest, back in biblical times, they could get rid of their wife for anything. Jesus dealt with that. But back in these times, she could have got, got done away with because she burnt the food that she was cooking. She could have been done away with as a wife because somebody else was prettier than her. We don't know what the answer is and we don't know. But what we do know is we can all identify with failures in our life. And how these great failures would affect our purpose in life. I talk to people all the time, I preach a sermon and somebody will come up and they want to share their testimony with me. And most of the time this is how the testimony goes. Preacher, I've done some things I wish I'd never have done. Preacher, I can't forgive myself. I don't think God can forgive me for what i had done when I was such and such or when I was this or when I was that. Why? Because we're living under the guilt of failures that we have had in our past. This is where she was at. This was her conversation. This was her manner of lifestyle. Is everybody understanding what I'm saying? This woman not only had a bad reputation in the community, but she was living with the guilt of what she had done. She was living with the guilt of what she had done, but she got a message of life. And that message of life was from Jesus Christ himself. And I need somebody to hear me right here. It wasn't some religious Matter of fact, I'll, I'll, I'll throw this at you. Had it been a Pharisee sitting at that well, had it been a religious leader of the day sitting at that well, she would have turned around and went home. That's right. She wouldn't have sat at that well. She wouldn't have come to that well had it been a religious leader that was sitting there. But it was the Son of God. It was God the Son. And He had a message of life for her. He said, you'll draw water out of this well and you'll have to come back tomorrow. He said, but I can give you living water. And that living water, when I give it to you, it will will spring up in you to everlasting life. He said, there's something that I have to offer you. I need somebody to hear me. He told her, I know who you are. I know where you come from. I know every single one of your failures, but I have something to offer to you. I'm going to move over on this side and say it because somebody needs to hear it over here. He said to her, I know your failures. I know everything about you. There's nothing that is hidden from me, but I have something to offer you. She probably looked back and said, I have nothing to offer you. But he said, I have something to offer you. Her conversation. I want you to notice number two, her confrontation. Boy, we like the the Jesus that loves everybody. I need somebody to help me. We love the Jesus that loves everybody. The Bible says God is love. The Bible tells us that we loved him because he first loved us. The Bible tells us that we ought to love others because he loved us. The Bible tells us that God loves us for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But he also tells us, the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter number 4 that God is love. He cannot be anything but love. Is everybody with me? Amen. But he's also righteous. That's where our society has a problem. God can be love, and we're all excited about God being love, but we can't, we can't handle a righteous God. We can't handle a just God. We want, a, we, we, we want a, a God of love, but we don't want a God who's just. We don't want a God who's holy. We don't want a God who's righteous, because that means that we have to be. Is everybody all right? I want you to notice with this woman, he had something to offer her, but it came with a price. What was the price she had to confront her failures. She had to confront her failures. She didn't get off scot-free. She didn't get off running out. he He told her, he said this, he said, go and get your husband. She said, man, I ain't got no husband. He said, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five of them. And the one that you're living with right now is not your husband. I need somebody to help me right here. Now, in our modern day and time, when we get confronted with our sin, we bow up like a bullfrog. I need—what some- <clears throat> you talking about, Jesus? <laughs> How you gonna bring that up, man? It's in the past. I've gotten over that. God said I hadn't. Is everybody all right, man? I, y'all need to get this. Because we like the Jesus that loves everybody. And he does. He loves you. He loves every person that's in here. But what we don't like is that confrontational Jesus that likes to get all up in our business. That likes to get on up in our business and say, now I know who you are. You ain't hiding nothing from me. We don't like that one. We like the one. We like the Jesus that only shows up on Sunday morning. I need come on, y'all better help me. I'm gonna preach for I'm gonna preach till four o'clock. Man, I, I've I've been to Tennessee. I've been I went to Tennessee, I didn't have no time limits. When I got to Kentucky, they was like, all right, you gotta preach in 20 minutes. I gotta preach in 20 minutes. I can't even read my text in 20 minutes. Is everybody all right? I mean, what are you talking about? I gotta preach y'all so y'all getting me in full form this morning. I can go for an hour, I can go for 10. This woman was confronted about her life. and She had to give an account for it. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. The Bible tells us there is none righteous, no not one. There's not one person in this building. I don't care how good you think you are. I don't care what your credentials say about you. There is something about you. There is something that is in you that you were born with. It came from Adam and from the time that you were birthed, you have had to be taught how to be good because you know how to be bad. You got the preacher fooled. You got your Sunday school teacher fooled. You got your mama fooled. You got your daddy fooled. Say, how do you know that? Because I have fooled my mama. I have fooled my dad. I have fooled preachers. I have fooled Sunday school teachers. But there's one that knows everything about me. I have shared with you some of my failures in life. I have shared failures from before I was saved. I have shared failures since after I'm saved. I need somebody to hear me, but there is one who knows everything, not just the things that I share. If you're reminded of this story, this woman runs into town after this conversation with Jesus and this is her testimony. Come and see a man that told me everything I ever did. (laughs) He confronted her. I need somebody to hear me this morning. You're sitting in here and you say, preacher, I'm not accepted in society. They don't like me because of this. I've had failures in my life. I'm living with the guilt of that. Most churches don't. Eat. That's my testimony. How many of y'all know my testimony? My testimony, the church did not want me. I showed up at church. I parked in the front door of the church. With a t- I, had a, I had a tag on the front of my truck that said, put your heart in Dixie or get you out. All, all custom church. Y'all need to get down on the altar when we have a thing. I parked it right in front of the church. I walked in with a skull can in my back pocket. I had a box of Marlboro Lights. Is everybody all right? Marlboro Lights in the box. That's, how, that's the only way you could buy them, all right? I had to put them up there. That's hey, my people. Put them up over the visor of the truck. I didn't walk in with cigarettes. That was a sin, but that skull can wasn't leaving my side. Is everybody All right. God knows I've said this, and I'll say it again. If I get to heaven and it was all right for me to dip, I will whip every Christian in heaven. While y'all celebrating, I'm punching everybody in the face. Is everybody all right? Because that stuff was like candy to me. I I, I had a cooler in the back of the truck that had beer in it. And here I was sitting in a church. Nobody wanted me there. Everybody knew my past. Everybody knew about me. Everybody knew what kind of life I lived. But there was one in that building that was having a conversation with me while that preacher was a-preaching. And he was telling me how much he loved me. Listen, but he was also confronting me on who I really was. Who I really was. Not who you knew me to be. Not who they knew me to be, but who I really was because there were some things about who I really was I don't want to get out. There were some things about who I really was that I I really don't want anybody else to know about. There were some things concerning my thought life that I don't want out in public. But he knew them all. That morning, September 28th, sitting on that second row, God was having a conversation with me, and he was confronting me over the things that I had done. Her confrontation. She was confronted about, he confronted her concerning her sins. He had the conversation about her husband's. He confronted her about religion. She said, in this mountain we're to pray. In this mountain, in this mountain, he said, God is a spirit. And those that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. He says, the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. He said, it ain't about your religion. I need somebody to hear me. He confronted her about her sins, but he confronted her concerning her religion. She had it all figured out about what was gonna happen and how she was to worship and who she was to worship, and he just threw a, I'm talking about a wrench right in the middle of it. There's people that sit in church every Sunday that think that they've got religion figured out. <laughs> hey, we'll take bits and pieces of the Bible, and we'll make it what we believe, and we'll say, "Well, I, I, I ain't. I've been a good person." I try to do right to everybody. I try to be good to everybody. I try this. I try. I need somebody to hear me. There ain't none of us good. I know that ain't what y'all come to hear. Y'all was hoping I was going to tell you about how great y'all was and life is all about you being happy. But it ain't. There ain't none of us good. Right. The only thing you and I have to boast about is him. Amen. He's good. And if you're saved in this building, he's in you. And that means, yeah. Say amen. Yes, amen. There's some good in you, but it ain't you. He confronted her about her sins. He confronted her about her religion. What are you trusting in? You trusting in grandma's prayers? You trusted in the fact that, oh, I've been going to church my whole life. So? Amen. Judas walked with Jesus for three and a half years. I need somebody to help me. He ate bread with him. He prayed with him. He even performed miracles. I wonder if Jesus wasn't talking about him when he said this. He said, many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, haven't we done these great and mighty things in your name? And he said, I say, depart from me. You workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. I got an idea Judas will be in that line. I got an idea that Judas will be in that line. Judas will be the one. That's standing in that line. Somewhere in that line, Judas Iscariot will stand there because the Bible tells us that he performed miracles. The Bible tells us that he preached. The Bible tells us he did all kinds of things, but the Bible lets us know he betrayed Christ and he went to his own place. He confronted her about her sins. He confronted her about her religion. What are you counting on today? We see her conversion. We see her conversation. We see her confrontation but we see her conversion she confessed oh she didn't do it the way that you did she didn't just come clean she had to be prompted a little bit but she confessed and the Bible says she believed say preacher how do you know she believed because she ran back into the city and she said come and see a man And told me all I ever knew is not this the Messiah and the Bible says that many believed on him because of the word of the woman She knew who he was. And she made sure everybody else did. Is everybody with me? And because of her testimony, many believe. I'm done. But I want you to notice this. Amanda's got me. Her compassion. Her compassion. Listen to what I said. I didn't misspeak. Because when we like to talk about compassion, Brother Johnny, we like to talk about Jesus. And I will tell you this. She learned compassion from Jesus. Can I, can I? Just for a moment. I want you to think about this. This woman was exposed. Laid open. Her entire life. The book laid open. She said it like this. He knows everything about me. Amen. She said it like this. He knows all I ever did. Is everybody getting what I'm saying? This woman was completely open before God. She recognized there was nothing about her life that was hid from Him. He knew everything that the locals did. And He knew a lot. I got a hum coming down here, Brother Matt. And He knew everything that the locals didn't know. That's right. That's right. He knew everything that the locals knew everything that was public about her, but he also knew everything that the public didn't know about her. Right. Stay with me. And yet, and yet, Amen. when he confronted her, she ran and told everybody, you got to see this guy. Amen. I don't right. think y'all understand what I'm saying. He was a... He was a Jew that had no dealings with the Samaritans, according to her. She already had had an ethnic boundary between her and him. He was Jew. She was a Samaritan, which was a half-breed. It was a breed between Gentile and Jew. She was somebody that was considered a, let me say it this way, because we'll understand it, a Heinz 57. You know what I'm talking about when it comes to a dog? How would this man have anything to do with her? Already because of their race. But now even more so because he knew not only what the public knew, Amen. but he knew what the public didn't know. Right. I want everybody, everybody look at me. I want you to think about this right now. Not only does he know what everybody else knows about you, but he knows anybody. He knows what you keep for yourself. He knows what you wouldn't share with your spouse. He knows what you wouldn't share with your child. He knows what you wouldn't share with your parents. He knows everything about you. Stay with me. And yet he loved her. I need, I'm going to need somebody to hear me. Frank, I love you, man. But if you knew everything about me and I knew everything about you, we'd probably have a hard time loving one another. Amen. <laughs> I ain't talking about what we've done. I'm talking about what goes on up here, what goes on in here. Right. I need somebody to help me. Right. I'm talking about not just our actions on the outside, but Jesus said this. He said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. What, really, what you really are is in here. It just comes out. That's right. And he knew it. And he still loved her. Watch this. I said, her compassion. I said, her compassion. This woman. She's come to the well at a different time than all the women. She lived in a town where her life was on public display, she lived in a town where the women wouldn't have anything to do with her. But yet, after her conversion, the very first thing that she wanted to do was go tell everybody who had done her wrong. Go tell everybody who had treated her wrong. Go tell everybody that had treated her differently. Because something changed in her. Something changed in her. And she realized, no matter what their sins were, in public we're all alike way down deep in here doesn't matter if they're tattooed up one side and down there's this couple i don't even know who they are god help me don't y'all get mad at me for saying this but there's this couple that walks up and down lake park me and michelle see them all the time he walks with his shirt off sometimes he wears a a a scottish kilt y'all might have seen him He is tattooed. I'm talking about from the tip of his ears to his toenails. Is everybody with me? This guy's got more tattoo. He is nothing but a tattoo, all right? His wife, our girlfriend that he walks with, she's tall, big, tall girl. These are some of the nicest people I've ever been around in my life. They come walking around the neighborhood when me and Michelle was living over there by the golf course. We go out there and talk to them. This guy's always got a smile on his face. I need somebody to hear me because I know most Christians <laughs> that don't. You look like you mad at the world. Amen. We all the same on the inside. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I'd rather spend 10 minutes him, with him than a minute with some of the Pharisees that I have to deal with. Is everybody All right. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying we all the same way on the inside. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Dalton's going to the pen. I'm done. I'm done. I got two challenges for us this morning. You're sitting in here and you're saved. Why ain't you telling somebody? First thing this woman did when she got saved. First thing when her conversion took place. She ran into the city and told everybody, come and see a man that told me all I ever did. Let me me put it in words that we can understand. Come and see a man who knows all about me, but yet he loves me. He knows all about me, but yet he still wanted to offer me something. If you're saved in this building this morning, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get up out of your seat. I want you to come find a place around this altar. Get to moving. Come on. I want you to confront yourself with God this morning and say, God, I haven't been doing what I should when it comes to being a witness to people. I have not been sharing what I know to be the truth about you, and that is that even though you confront my sin, you love me in my sin. You love me. Even though you know everything about me, you love me. For that, somebody needs to know. Second part of that challenge this morning is this whether you're on the altar or whether you're sitting in a seat, whether you're up in the balcony, if you were to die today, do you know where you'd spend eternity? Simple question. I'm not trying to trick you, I'm not trying to mess up your theology. I'm asking you a question and I'm begging you to answer it honestly. If you died today, do you know where you'd spend eternity? Say, preacher, if I died sitting where I'm at, if I died kneeling where I'm at, I don't know that I'd go to heaven. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand up. I ain't asking you to do anything else. Just lift your hand up where I can see it. Thank you. You can put it back down. Anybody else, Anybody else, be honest with the preacher. Preacher, I do not know where I'd, where I'd spend eternity if I was to die. Is there anybody else? I'm not going to embarrass you and I'm not going to send anybody to you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else, I'm just asking you to be honest with me right now so I know how to end the service. Listen, I, I can preach. You can come to church. You can do everything you want to, but sooner or later, you're going to stand before God and you're going to give an account. While you have others fooled, you don't have God fooled. So I ask again, before I end this service, you say, preacher, if I was to die sitting where I'm at, I do not know that I'd go to heaven. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand up. You can put it right back down. Let me see it. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning. God, there's been several that raise their hands. There's been several that's been honest with me. Honest enough to say that if they were to die sitting in the chair they're sitting in, God, they do not know where they'd spend eternity. God, I remember that morning, September 28, 1997, where I, I had to answer that same thing myself. I remember as I sat and that question was asked, Lord, I remember how it penetrated my heart and Lord how I had to be honest with the question and to be honest with the question Lord I had to admit that if I was to die at that moment God I didn't know where I'd spend my eternity oh but God you had compassion on me God you love me and God I remember even having been confronted with my sin Lord I, I ran to you even being confronted with who I really was. God, I remember, Lord, feeling loved and wanted. Lord, I pray this morning that each one that's raised their hand, the ones that haven't, know the same thing. God, in your love and compassion, you come to die for our sins. You hung on a cross and bore the punishment for the sins of the world. Lord, that we might be redeemed. Bought back to spend an eternity with you. God, help us this morning. Lord, I pray that every person in the room, Lord, knows how much you love them. head's bowed, eyes still closed. I want to help you with a few things. I quoted verses this morning, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us, there's not a person in this building that ain't sinned. The Bible tells us where that sin comes from in Romans chapter number 5, verse number 12. For by one man, that man was Adam in the Garden of Eden. All the way back in Genesis chapter number 2, Genesis chapter number 3, the fall of man took place. We're told in Scripture, wherefore as by one man, that was Adam, sin entered into the world, or death entered into the world, or, or sin entered into the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men for they all of sin. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter number six and verse number 23, for the wages of sin is death. There's a price for it. There's a penalty for it. But the Bible doesn't end there. The verse doesn't end there. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. said in John three sixteen, like this, for God so loved the world That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The writer tells us in Romans chapter number 5 and verse number 8, but God commended, he displayed, he demonstrated, God commended his love towards us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Say, so preacher, you don't know who I, who, who I am and where I've been. I, I know, I know, but he does. And he died for you. The Bible says this in Romans chapter number 10. It says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart Man believeth unto righteousness. With a a mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans chapter number 10 verse number 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you're sitting in this building this morning, I know know that took me a little bit, but stay with me. You're sitting in this building this morning and say, Preacher, I don't know if I'm saved. I want you to know you can leave here today knowing you can pray a prayer similar to what I prayed. I, I wasn't led in a prayer. I just did the best way I knew how. I prayed out to God and asked God to save me. But I've been in this thing a little bit. And I understand confession. I understand a heart that believes. If you want to be saved this morning, God's dealing with you about salvation this morning. You can pray a prayer similar to this. Father, Lord, I'm a sinner. Go ahead and pray. Best way you know how. God, I'm a sinner. God, you know everything about me. You know things that I wouldn't share with anybody else. God, today, Lord, I come to you confessing, I'm a sinner. Lord, understanding that I cannot save myself, that's why you went to the cross. To die for me so that I could have eternal life. Lord, I believe in my heart that you died for me. Today, I confess with my mouth, I ask you to save me and forgive me. Lord, I ask you to come into my life Be the Lord of my life. Lord, change me so I can be more like You. I can love like You. In Jesus' name. Head still bowed. If you prayed that prayer with me this morning, I wonder if you'd just lift your hand right up. Say, preacher, I prayed that prayer this morning. I asked Jesus to save me. Is there anybody like that in the building? To be honest with me, nobody's going to come to you. Anybody in the building? All right, our Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. God, thank you so much for loving us. Lord, I thank you for September 28, 1997. I pray I never get tired of telling that story. Lord, I pray it aggravates every person that has to hear it more than 10 times. Lord, that's the day you confronted me. That's the day that I realized that, God, you love me even when people in the church didn't. Even when people in my community didn't. Even when those around me didn't understand. God, not only did you know what they knew, but God, you knew about me what they didn't. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name Every heart, every mind in this building will be clear. Lord, I pray we as Christians and members of Calvary Baptist Church will do our part to share, Lord, what you've done for us with others. Lord, for any person that sat in this building that's not saved, I pray today, Lord, life as they know it will change. Lord, I pray you'll begin to work in them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.